The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Italy in the States, but not only in the States, all over the world is still the machine land. We are making, and surprisingly, surprising not for me, maybe not for you, but for many other people, is, is the country of the robotics. Welcome to the Mentor TV podcast and stay curious with Patricia Falco Beccali. What I wanted to ask you as well is about the funding. One thing is to have a clear strategy, but what do you tell the company wanting to enter and scale in the U.S. in terms of funding? I, I mean, I look at the advertising spend of an average American company is huge in comparison. Uh, I pulled out a couple of uh, numbers in the U.S. About 190 billion U.S. dollars is spent on marketing spend, launching a product, which is about 32% of the overall of the, of the uh, overall turnover in general, of a company. Compare that to Germany, that's only 5%. What do you say to anybody wanting to set up shop in the U.S.? How much funding, how much you know, time period they have to account for that they have the liquidity to establish the brand? The difference between an Italian company and a German or other companies is that uh, the Italian company has in mind uh, certain uh, targets, objectives of market. So, uh, for natural reasons, they don't have the idea of uh, conquering, you know, uh, the, the market from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Uh, they are aware of the fact that uh, uh, they cannot cope with, a, you know, a huge demand that could come from the market. They, of course, at the same time, they do not have the money that usually a German or a French or a British company have at their disposal. So what they have to do is that to to secure, first of all, the uh, good lecture that they can have of the market. They have to read the market, you know, they have to, to uh, be able. And then I think the formula is to come out with a business model where the local partner is very important because it's through the local partner that they can also uh, get the right size for, you know, any kind of communication for the market. My idea is that... Uh, uh, as far as the Italian companies is concerned, since they are not going to look for, you know, a national brand, that, a brand that is becoming nationally known in the States, I think the step-by-step -step strategy is the one that they should adopt. Yeah. And in this sense, I say, okay, landing pad in New York, then from there with your partner, you, can, you have to decide if you have to go north, if you have to go west, if you have to go south. Maybe you can go in multiple directions, 
But due to the nature of the structure of the Italian companies, I think what is important is to consolidate positions after positions and, and not looking at the possibility that your product is becoming, you know, uh, like uh, caught by a fever of the consumers and everybody is going to look for. And really kind it of... Can yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. It can happen, but uh, this is not, I think, within the within the nature of the Italian companies. Plus as well, I think it depends also very much on your product, Antonino. One thing is fashion, the other one is food. But if I look at the United States, what they actually import most from Italy, if my data is right, and you are the expert there, Antonino, is actually machinery, nuclear reactors and boilers is the first um, export product, uh, followed by pharmaceuticals, then vehicles and other railway and tramway um, uh, mechanics. And only then, is, is beverages and food is even not on the top 10 list of footwear and and uh, leatherware is number nine which is of course if we think about Italy we think about fantastic fashion and food but I thought it was very important to mention that it's not the top sectors being exported to the to the US and depending on the product the communication mix the location mix um, changes very much as well okay let's let's move on a little bit because I would like to talk about trade in general Antonino and your experience in China is uh, huge now you have the started the the experience globally anyway but in the US as well and consumer activism as well as uh, in another step you know trade being used in political terms or diplomacy let us start with consumer activism to make it a bit more specific in China we had a couple of cases couple of blunders by Italian companies. One was Dolce Gabbana, not too long ago, where they launched just before their big, big launch, also in terms of a fashion show, and they had this ad where a Chinese lady was trying to eat a piece of pizza with chopsticks and didn't really manage very much. And I don't know what the, the details were of it, but it caused a huge outcry, so far so that they had to apologize to to China because they felt offended. It didn't respect their one China policy to put an advert out like that. That was one thing. The other one was Versace's T-shirt. I don't know where you, whether you remember where they had lots of countries listed in Macau and Hong Kong and China as three different countries. Again, something that was not necessarily viewed very kindly upon by the Chinese authorities, again, going against the one China policy. I mean, that's huge. It's consumer activism, the backlash then these companies had. Is that something you tell and educate Italian companies about as well, about the deep values of the consumer locally? Well, we are trying to do, but give me three seconds uh, to go back to the machine, uh, you know, export of Italy to the States. I think this is uh, your question and your considerations are very, very interesting, very important. Because contrary to the general opinion, uh, you know, the people think that Italy is fashion, furniture, food, and so and so. As a matter of fact, Italy in the States is, means technology, uh, medium, high technology, Italy is still in the States, the country of, that makes machinery to make machinery and goods. Uh, and as a matter of fact, you mentioned some of the sectors that are still very, very important. And, but I think that, for instance, we are registering now a very important uh, positioning and expansion of the packaging. 
Uh, packaging is going to be, you know, very much crucial in the future because if we know that people, goods must be protected, uh, handled in a different way, Italy is the country of the technology of the packaging. And we have been developing not only the machinery, but also materials to protect food and to protect goods and whatever. So this is important to, to focus on the fact and to stress the fact that Italy in the States, but not only in the States, all over the world is still the machine land. We are making, and surprisingly, surprising not for me, maybe not for you, but for many other people, is, is the country of the robotics. We have a concentration of production of robotics in many areas in Italy, and we don't have to ignore that what is the Via Emilia, which means is the old, you know, uh, communication uh, way that is connecting all Emilia-Romagna, is called the mechatronic area, is the area where, for instance, we have to focus once again, are concentrated the manufacturing activities of Ferrari, Lamborghini, Ducati, Maserati. So this is unique in the world. This is something that also we have to continue to let the people know. And in fact, we have a project that is called Machines Italia that is uh, centered on the office of Chicago that in, during uh, more than, I think, than 20 years has been focusing on this fact. Italy is machine land, is the country of the machines. And that's, I think, thank you for this, uh, this uh, question and putting the, the stress on this kind of aspects. As far as the education of the Italian companies to be sensitive and able to understand, this, of course, is something that we are doing because uh, particularly for small companies, it's very important that they know not only the uh, custom regulations, not only any kind of technical you know, aspects of labeling uh, the products. I think it's important, and we do it uh, during a, 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 the occasion of the uh, training activities that we are doing in Italy. Before coming here, I was in the director of the marketing division which is also in charge of the education and the training of the Italian companies for international markets. Through uh, the fact that we are hiring experts, we try to focus on this kind of problems, the cultural gap that sometimes could exist between the Italian company and the local market. Of course, sometimes there are markets that they are oversensitive about some issues. Sometimes some issues are you know, made bigger, inflated for political reasons. But there is no doubt that uh, uh, there is a globalization of the market, but every single market is still presenting certain kind of sensitive issues that Italians have to consider. For instance, one of the first uh, important issues that the Italian companies solved many years ago was the lining of the shoes. In, for many years, the lining of the shoes was made with a pork hide, which was very flexible and uh, ideal to make the lining. But as you, can, as you know, um, some of these products cannot be sold in some markets that are sensitive to this kind of product. So the Italians were able to adjust. At the beginning, it came as a surprise. They said, but we have done this for centuries because this kind of material is flexible, is a stretch, and so on and so So after that, they started, it seems a very, you know, very, very irrelevant solution, but that was a solution that opened the market, 
And as a matter of fact, now we have people that are coming from these countries and they buy the top of the brand made in Italy because they know that it Italian companies have adjusted since long time to this necessity. So the market is globalized, but still there are some local issues that the Italian companies have to understand. And interesting also that, of course, certain markets are developing because if I think back what the Chinese consumer would be looking for, uh, and that is in an uneducated mind about this kind of issue, is a lot of brands. And as long as the brand is right, um, Chinese tend to love it. But it's not true at all, at least anymore. And I just wanted to mention this quote to you, Antonino, and being a China expert when it comes to trade as well, I'll get your comment. Um, here, Glenn Atwell, associate professor and co-author of Luxury Brands in China and India, he wrote this, co-wrote this book, he says, consumers are searching for a deeper relationship with a brand versus to a superficial meaning that is only logo-driven. It's the luxury brand story that connects the brand with the consumer. So even these evolving markets, the evolving consumers are also starting to evolve the kind of value they put in the product they are buying. It's not about bling bling anymore, but behind the bling, there needs to be something a lot more sustainable. I would say this, I, I had experience, you know, after many years living in, uh, in Asia, I had the experience of seeing the The, 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 just the birth of the Korean market, then I moved to Malaysia, then uh, Japan, Taiwan, so, and China, the end. I think that the, the obsession for brands is at the infant stage of the market. Brand as a name, as a name. So the people are attracted by the visible brand, not by the inner qualities of the brand. As a matter of fact, at the beginning, the, the companies were putting huge labels And uh, because that was the obsession to satisfy, you could be, and that's why some famous products or products of great success in other markets, they were not successful in China because the brand was not visible. Yes. So it was not a sign of distinction. You cannot show, you know, to the other, the competitive lady that was buying against you to show that she was. Zenia here on the outside of the label on the suit would stay there. <laughs> Basically, the label should be, the, the idea was that that label was important at the beginning, but then uh, it should be removed and fixed at, at the internal side. But the people, they didn't remove because they were showing. <laughs> when, the market, when the market develops, it's true. It becomes uh, a market for quality. And, and as you can see, the brands have been adjusting, uh, adopting the approach that was necessary. So the brand started showing that there was not only a brand easy to mention, to pronounce, but the brand was something that was the avant-garde, the one that you could see, that if you want the phenomenon, what was possible to see of the inner quality. So leather and products and, uh, and the tissues and fabrics, everything became more important. As a matter of fact, today, There are a lot of buyers of quality that they are going to check what is the product made of. Yes. So they look inside, they see, is this linen or is it polyester? Yeah. Is this cashmere or is uh, nylon? Is this the leather or is man-made material? So this is, I think, now the new trend. Infant stage brand. When there is the evolution, the maturity, the people are looking for the brand. But the brand that is succeeding is the brand that is able to prove that is using uh, the best 
f the best fabrics, the best leather, the best products, the best wood. And one new trend, one new factor is green. So there is no more only the search for the quality product, but also for whatever is green. If you can prove that your cashmere is a green cashmere because in the process you have not wasted water, if you can prove that in uh, the best leather, the softest leather has been processed by limiting, you know, the pollution of the land that is surrounding your factory, then this is going to be an additional factor of success. So the brand, yes, but with a new evolution within the brand. It is true that the moment your markets are looking more and more into the quality, not only of the product, but the supply chain of that product, of the entire ecosystem, all the stakeholders involved in making that product that one, that one buys then in the shop. Let's get back, though, Antonino, to consumer activism. Is consumer activism and also supported by the digital potential viral spread of any kind of boycott against a company, against a brand, is it a real threat these days? Well, you know, it's a challenge. It's an incredible challenge for any kind of company. It can be a big company, can be a small company. I think what is much more, uh, you know, interesting is the fact that uh, a small company can cope with this kind of, uh, let's say, transparent, you know, uh, need, uh, need of transparency of, of, the, of customers, I think in a better way. Because there is... They, they have to fix, you know, the rules of a big corporation, what should be shown to the customers. You know, a factor is there. As a matter of fact, in the last uh, decade, what we have done as a trade agency, we have made easier and possible, more and more compared to the past, the visit of the foreign buyers, American buyers, not only to the Italian fairs, but also to the factories. Because we want them to be sure and to be aware of the fact that what we are showing at MECAM or we are showing at PT is the expression of a way of manufacturing that is still with Italian roots. Uh, the, sourcing the sourcing, you know, of the goods is going to be very important in the future. Supply chain are going to be important because the buyers, I think, are going to rely more on uh, products where the supply chain is very short, is very clear. We have the manufacturer, then we have the distributor, and then we have the market. In this sense, we envisage the possibility that Italian companies are going to have a plus on their favor, because as I said, if you visit Mecham, and then this, the day after Mecham, you can visit the factory in the Italian uh, shoe district in uh, Marche, Naples, uh, uh, in uh, the area the surrounding Venice, so in Tuscany, you will see uh, what is to be seen, what is uh, important uh, for somebody that wants to communicate the product in the proper way. Because he has seen with his eyes that the company is working in uh, this factory of this size and with, a, with all the social issues that have been respected, and this is a plus. This is the competitive advantage of the future. Yes. In the past, it was a matter of price. For Italian companies, no more a matter of price. Price, for, for quality. Mm -hmm. is so we are, if you want, fit for the new season, for the new scenario. Of course, it's not easy. It's a challenge. But all things considered, I think we can 
once again face the problem and maybe come out uh, uh, in a better and stronger position. Yeah. And when it comes to what I alluded to before, call it trade war, call it trade diplomacy, call it what we're seeing a lot these days, sanctioning of different markets. Does that work? I don't want you to get political, Antonino, but you being, you know, from the Trade Commission, having worked with them for so many, so many years, in your experience, is that really something that shifts the needle on a political level if you go and hurt the commerce and the economy? But, you know, uh, without, as you said, being political, I think that the consideration on this kind of uh, uh, tariff war, custom war, and so and so, I, I insist on this aspect. If uh, it's a temporary measure that should sometimes should be adapted uh, in order to adopted in order to protect certain sectors. Uh, in the past, the the doctrine was telling us it's at the infant stage. It's normal that you have to protect your sector because otherwise your competition is not going to be enough to stop the products coming into your country. And so I can see a temporary adoption of this kind of measures. But at the end, if today is a, a society of the consumers, of the customers, we are going, or the people, the country that are adopting these measures, I think they are going to make some, uh, you know, problems to their own customers because they are not offering the, the customers the chance, the possibility to choose the best suitable product for a, product for a certain lifestyle. In addition, uh, we must consider that sometimes the import of product is not only generating, uh, you know, um, occupation and job in a small quantity. Sometimes the import of uh, a certain product is generating a number of jobs that are, can be sometimes, in terms of number, more than the, the one generated by a local production that being unable to expand is going to be is going to remain at the infant stage so it's not going to grow on the contrary if you import a certain quantity of of product from abroad then you are going to set up for a start, sometimes is a, let's say a logistic center and then you have people that are working there then you have the repackaging center because you have to make the packaging for instance in some case italian food they have this important and cheese, for instance, they import the big, you know, pieces of cheese, and then they have to make the portions of for the distribution. And prosciutto ham is the same, and clothes is the same because they have to made in a very separate packaging, you know, very attractive packaging. So there is a generation of job that sometimes is ignored by the people that, or they want to ignore on purpose by the people that they have adopted the tariffs. Yeah. Antonino, to wrap up our conversation, this is a question I asked all of my guests here on Mentory TV. What would you say are the three key learnings, perhaps you have more, you pass on to the Italian companies when they are planning to scale out of Italy, wherever on the globe? If you had to put it really in three short snap aspects, what would you say? Well, I think they have to know their own product. The first thing is that they have to be aware of what is the product that they have been able to manufacture. Because sometimes the people are, are enthusiastic about the product, but this means that they are not uh, aware of the limit of the potential. This is, applies in two directions. Sometimes they are not aware of the big potential, 
Sometimes they are overestimating, you know, the product that they have made. This is, I think, is very important. So very strong consideration, realistic consideration about the product. And from there, it comes the evaluation of the markets, which means that uh, not all the markets are suitable, ideal for your product. And once you have identified the market, you have to find out, since you are not a big multinational, a big corporation, you have to come out with this formula that I say is, let's say, a business model that is based on partnership. Since you cannot count on a you know, big finance, you cannot count on a big support on your own, uh, I think it's important that you have to go for what has been proving the most successful model for the Italian companies to find out a partner and with this partner to define the strategy for the market. Market that is going to be different from Europe to the States and to Asia. And that's why you need somebody that is going to help you to give uh, um, an interpretation, help you to read the potential of the market. With these three steps, you can be sure that you are not wasting time, you're not wasting money, and at the time being, you can speed up, or at the time being, you can withdraw from the market without having big consequences for your, the health of your company. Excellent. Antonino, thank you so much for all your insights. And uh, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us here on Mentoring TV. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to elaborate a little bit about Italian trade agency strategy in the States and gen generic or general, if you want, consideration about the world trade. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you, thank you. And uh, well, thank you, dear Mentory TV community, for having joined us here together with Antonino Laspira. He's the Italian Trade Commissioner to the U.S., and we wish him all the luck and all the success for his personal job development and also for all the companies, Italian companies, entering and expanding the U.S. markets. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. See you soon. Bye. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.